Tyler Perry, Hunter Salas, and Haley Van Lith. We're going to talk about all three on today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also, also do some PA announcer work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On the Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. To start out the show, we're going to talk about why North Texas transfer Tyler Perry would be a phenomenal fit for Louisville. We will then discuss the Cardinals reaching out to Gonzaga transfer Hunter Salas. Excuse me. And then to conclude the show, we'll talk about Haley Van Lith entering the transfer portal and what that means for Louisville women's basketball team moving forward. So um, before we get into the content of today's show, I want to say a couple of things. On this show, we have observed moments of silence for various tragedies that have happened across our nation over the past couple of years. We do this because, I mean, it's so much bigger than sports. This life is so much more than just sports. On Monday morning, tragedy struck close to home for a lot of people, for a lot of people that listen to this show, um, for myself, and for a lot of people in the area as uh, multiple people were killed and wounded in a mass shooting in downtown Louisville um, on the Monday morning. This has been something that obviously is extremely tough to process as all of the other mass shootings and senseless acts of violence have been. Um, But with it happening, you know, near a place that I'm familiar with, a place that I had passed by multiple times throughout my life, it, it, um, it definitely hits home. And it hits home for a lot of people. When we've done these moments of silence, I've oftentimes said something along the lines of, we extend our thoughts and prayers out to those affected. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, And that's not to say I'm not doing that. Of course, I'm thinking about those affected. I'm praying for those affected. um, And I'm not calling out anyone who is doing that. I'm not calling out anyone who is saying that they're going to thank and pray for them, but I feel like as a society that has become a generic and cliche response to every single mass shooting and senseless act of violence is thoughts and prayers. And nothing is changing. Nothing is changing at all. And I can't sit here and continue to say we extend our thoughts and prayers and nothing's changing. And, um, and, and, you know, I understand, you know, sitting by the phone and listening to the phone ringing, hoping and praying that the person that you know that is possibly close to that area is going to pick up and tell you that they're okay. I understand the anxiety and, you know, time standing still waiting for somebody to call or text and give you the all clear, letting them know that they're okay. And I understand that that is a feeling that has been reciprocated. I understand that that is a feeling that a lot of people have felt across our nation for quite some time. And at what point are we going to do something about it? And I'm sorry if this pisses you off that or it makes you feel some type of way. I don't give a damn anymore. 
Something's got to change. I'm not going to sit here and act like I had the solution. When in all reality, I don't know what needs to be done to limit or prevent this, but I know that something has to change. And it needs to change fast because people are getting killed going to school, going to work, going to church, going to the grocery store, going to sporting events, going to concerts, walking down the street. At what point do we put our foot down and say enough? At what point, man? I'm getting so tired of this. And I know you all are too. And I'm not sitting here saying that I know the answers. I'm saying that those that are in the position to come up with these answers, please do so. And for those that might not necessarily be in that position that feel like they don't necessarily have a say in legislation and things of that nature, the only thing that I can ask of you all is just to continue to stand up for each other, lean on one another, and, and love one another. So at this point, please join me in um, observing a moment of silence for the victims. Thank you. And as always, if you or anyone feels the need to talk to anyone, um, please feel free to reach out to someone. Um, you can reach out to me in the YouTube comments. Uh, my DMs are open uh, on Twitter in the um, tweet or the Twitter handle below. So feel free to uh, open up. But um, um, I, I guess now we can get into the show and I'm sorry for taking up five minutes of the show, but something had to be said. And um, it really just, uh, for lack of better terms, just absolutely infuriates me. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Tyler Perry is another player that the Cardinals have reached out to over the, um, the past couple of weeks since the transfer portal has opened. There hasn't been a lot of names recently. Caleb Love went to Michigan. Davion McKnight has committed to Xavier. Keon Manfield to Arkansas. There hasn't been a lot of names to talk about um, until recently. The Cardinals have reached out to North Texas transfer Tyler Perry, the five foot eleven senior from Fort Coffey, Oklahoma, um, won a JUCO national championship before transferring to North Texas where he has played two seasons, won the Conference USA Player of the Year this past year, averaging 17.3 points per game while shooting the ball uh, 44% from the field, 41% from the three-point line, and 87% from the free throw line. For the free throw line, that is extremely um, that's extremely impressive to see a player you know get near those 50, 40, 90 marks of shooting the basketball, showing that they're very efficient. Um, Perry is more of um, you know more of a, a secondary ball handler rather than a lead initiator. A guy that only averages two point one assists per contest does rebound well for his size, three point four rebounds per contest, one point three steals per game. So you know pretty serviceable on the defensive side of the basketball but Tyler Perry would fit the role of you know being a number one scorer but not necessarily you know the number one initiator of offense I think that um this would obviously be a phenomenal fit for Louisville for a handful of reasons. Number one, because of need. The Cardinals need um, a number one scorer. They need a proven player that can score the basketball at the collegiate level. Tyler Perry, I understand, you know, playing at a mid-major school, but uh, winning conference player of the year, averaging over 17 points per game. Um, a player that fits the need that Louisville has, and that is a primary scorer that can not only fill a need at guard, but can also um, you know, alleviate some of those scoring responsibilities that L. Ellis uh, once had. So um, 
He also would be a solid fit when you look at what the roster is looking like right now. I think, you know, you look at, you know, a Sky Clark and Tyler Perry backcourt and how that would mesh. I think that um, you wouldn't necessarily have the true pass-first point guard, but you have two guys that can handle the basketball that can create for teammates, um, aren't traditional point guards, but have shown the vision and facilitating abilities to at least be serviceable in that category. Um I could see Tyler Perry filling the role of a Carleek Jones, a guy that uh, would be a ball-dominant guard that would assume the scoring responsibilities and would open up the opportunities uh, for his teammates. Um, and then you have a player like Sky Clark who could also be um, you know, a guy that splits the ball-handling responsibilities and excuse me, is able to um, fill that role. So um, I, I think that this is going to be an interesting recruitment. Obviously, um, you know, with Perry's coach going from North Texas to Texas Tech, it seems like the Red Raiders are in a very, very solid position to land the veteran from Oklahoma. But um, nonetheless, Louisville is a school that Perry is prioritizing along with a handful of others. So um, needless to say, I mean, I understand that Kenny Payne and company like going after taller guards, but at this point, I don't care. You need a guard that can be serviceable, that can take your team to a new dynamic. I think that Tyler Perry is exactly what Louisville's looking for. They're looking for a veteran guard that has proven he can score the ball consistently and efficiently and has been able to um, you know, be a uh, winning, cohesive player. And um, you know, Tyler Perry has been a guy that has won a JUCO national title, has been instrumental in North Texas's um, you know, success. Conference USA Player of the Year. I, I don't care that he's five foot eleven and an undersized two guard. I don't care that he has one year of eligibility remaining. This is a recruitment that um, I think it's a phenomenal fit. It makes too much sense for Louisville. Um, I, I would just believe that he is exactly what Louisville's looking for, especially from a perimeter shooting aspect. The Cardinals have not been a good three point shooting team over the past couple of seasons in quite some time. And um, as of right now, you look at the roster, who is a, I'm not saying a guy that can knock down a deep ball, but who is a good above average shooter on this team? A guy that is revered as a shooter so far. Um, none of the incoming freshmen are you know, revered as shooters. Uh, JJ Trainer, Sky Clark, uh, those players can hit the deep ball. Mike James can hit the deep ball, but are they truly three-point shooters? I think there's a difference between being a solid three-point shooter and being able to make a three-point shot. Uh, I'm not saying that those guys can't be, but right now you don't have one player from last season who can say, hey, look, he's a solid three-point shooter. Tyler Perry shot over 41% from behind the arc this past season. Just makes too much sense. Not only that, but you look at how he got those points. Extremely solid in creating for himself off the dribble. You know, Some people think, well, he's a smaller guard. That really hasn't deterred him from getting to his you know, getting to his spots and creating his own shots and being able to, um, you know, get to uh, spots on the floor to where he's able to catch and shoot off the dribble or catch and shoot off passes, shooting off the dribble, uh, spot up situations, and also being able to take it to the rim. So I think that, um, you know, like I said, I keep coming back to Carly Jones, a smaller guard that excelled at the mid-major level that uh, specializes in scoring, might not necessarily be the greatest defender or facilitator, but fills a direct need. That is scoring the basketball. As of right now, there's not one player on the Wolves team heading into next season that averaged over 10 points per game. 
And I understand you bank a lot on player development and things of that nature. But at this point in time, if you're banking on every single player to develop, you see where the risk is there. And that's something to look forward to. And it's like, okay, well, it's hard to put all of your eggs in the development basket, hoping that every single player is able to take their next step forward. Because sometimes we saw it this year. That's not necessarily the case. And with three open spots, with the opportunity in the portal, there's no excuse for Louisville not to address these needs in the portal because they have the opportunity. They have no NCAA cloud over them. They have the ample playing time, so on and so forth. So um, Tyler Perry would be a phenomenal fit. The Cardinals have also reached out to Gonzaga guard Hunter Salas, a player that they recruited out of high school. We'll talk about um, if Salas would be a good fit for the program or not here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Um, Obviously, um, FanDuel has been a big part of Locked On's network over the past couple of months. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers get up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Hunter Salas has entered the portal after spending the past two seasons up in Spokane, Washington. The native of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, is a former five-star prospect. The Cardinals recruited Salas out of high school. He appeared in 69 games for the Zags over the past two seasons, did not start a single game, averaged 15.3 minutes per contest, and averaged under five points per game in both seasons so a lot of people have wondered well would this be a good fit for Louisville I think so but I think it depends on what the role is you're envisioning for him I think that at this point in time if you are banking on Hunter Salas to be a starter for Louisville and for you know Louisville to have a solid backcourt next season I'm not faulting that style of thinking however I'm saying that there's a lot of there's a lot of risk when you talk about, you know, you need both Sky Clark and Hunter Salas to develop pretty substantially. So you're putting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty in your backcourt. I think that Hunter Salas is best, would be the best fit for Louisville when you're looking at a possible six man off the bench. A very solid rotational piece that might play 20 minutes per game, but at the same time, you know, you're looking at, okay, Gonzaga only played him about 15 minutes per game. I understand that this has been a log gym in terms of the front court, or I'm sorry, the back court minutes. You have Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, uh, Malachi Smith, Nolan Hickman, um, so on and so forth, all four of those guards playing over 20 minutes per game, 28 minutes per game. So you could say, hey, Dalton Lee just has been playing behind a handful of players. I understand that. And I'm saying that Salas could end up being a starting-level player. Obviously, the talent is there. He was a solid part of this team uh, down the stretch. Um, Had 13 points against San Francisco late in the year, uh, but only scored in double figures three times this past season. Um, 
Had two points against Grand Canyon in 20 minutes in the NCAA tournament, six against TCU, five against UCLA, and then five uh, against UConn. He was a solid rotational piece. But at the end of the day, um, I think that he was obviously um, you know best served as a or he he served a, a rotational role. So um, I, I do feel like this is a possible addition to where Louisville would make a lot of sense. I understand that uh, Salas didn't necessarily have the greatest past two years, but he's talented enough. It's just a matter of getting that playing time. And I understand that line of thinking. I'm just saying that there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of risk involved with that for a program that needs to have a ton of success next season. So, um, you know, it, it really just depends. Salas is a player that when you look at statistically what he's been able to do last season, shot 47% from the field, wasn't a great three-point shooter. I know the sample size was small, only about 1.2 attempts per game this past year. Um, 78% for the free throw line, two rebounds, one and a half assists, um, under one steals and blocks per game, respectively. So um, it's really hard to kind of get a grasp on the development here. I think that obviously Nebraska and Creighton are going to be two programs to watch respectively in this recruitment, especially with Ryan Nimhard entering the transfer portal from Creighton, Nebraska being a hometown school as well with him being a native of Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, but being, you know, a six foot five, 180 pound guard, I think he has solid vision, solid on ball defending. So um, you could slide into a primary a facilitator role with the right development and uh, right coaching. But at this point in time, I think whether or not you view Hunter Salas as a good fit is all dependent on how you see his development going. Is he going to develop into a guy that, you know, rises into a role where he's averaging double figure scoring? I could see that. Um, but at this point in time, I think that for Louisville, you had to be very selective with your scholarships. Um, and then there's also, you know, you had to be selective, but you also had to be careful to not strike out on all your um, all your targets as well. So at this point in time, I think you look at this from a couple different ways. I think he would be a solid addition because he's obviously very talented. Um, you know, he's shown promise at Gonzaga. You know, there is a clear-cut reason as to why he didn't get a lot of time, and that's because he played behind a lot of people, and that's not necessarily indicative of, you know, him not being good enough. It's more indicative of, you know, him playing behind veterans. So it really just depends. I'm not saying that he couldn't come in and start for Louisville next year. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he's a good, he's not a good player. I'm just saying that if you're Louisville, you understand where the risk is, you know, going after a player that, your starting backcourt for next year would be a player that played in 13 college games, averaged seven points per game, and a guy that did not start one game over the past two years, averaged under five points per game. So I I understand, you know, you could get to a spot to where they both develop extremely well over the offseason and they have great seasons. But you can't always think like that. And we've seen the development over the past couple of years just not necessarily paying out. So forgive me for not necessarily being too, um, you know, reliant on, you know, just relying on developing all the way. So I think you have to, you know, rely on some proven college production as well. So, uh, but at, at the same time, I, I think the Hunter Salas is going to have a lot of programs after him. Obviously a lot of programs have reached out. So um, I think that Creighton and Nebraska, 
are the two programs to watch in this recruitment. I think that for both Tyler Perry and Hunter Salas, the Cardinals are probably on the outside looking in in this in these respective recruitments. So something to focus on and monitor as um, we continue to look into these recruitments. So um, I want to conclude the show discussing women's basketball. Haley Van Lith has surprisingly entered the transfer portal. We'll talk about what that means for the Cardinals here in just a second. Before we do that, I um, want to thank you all again for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, the Locked On the Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. Well, it is a storybook type of ordeal for me to release a podcast talking about what the needs for Louisville women's basketball are discussing the Haley Van Lith possible transfer rumors, saying that I think she's going to be back. And then the next morning she answers the portal. You can't make this up. Um, truth be told, Van Lith entering the portal were rumors that I had heard dating back to February, um, but they were just that rumors. Um, you know, I hadn't really put too much stock into them uh, because I didn't want to. Um, but, they are ones that I had heard since February. Didn't put much stock into them, but still was worried. She enters the portal. And this is the first time that I can remember a superstar of her caliber entering the transfer portal in women's basketball. Um, now, granted, this whole one-time transfer rule has not necessarily been a phenomenon for, you know, what, a couple of seasons now. So there hasn't been a lot of time for that to happen, but... It hasn't happened yet. It has happened now. Um, Haley Van Lith has essentially come out and said, you know, I don't want to be contacted. So you would assume that her destination is in mind, um, regardless of why people think that she transferred, whether it was NIL, getting back closer to home, getting closer to winning a national championship, whatever may have you. The harsh reality is that she's no longer with the team. Um, we thank her for her three years here at Louisville. Um and what she was able to do here, um, wish her the best of luck in her future endeavors. This is a monumental loss. Um, this is losing a top 10 player in women's basketball, you know, on a team that only had seven scholarship players, now has six. You did add Jada Curry, which was a solid addition from Cal, a player who averaged over 15 points per game for the Golden Bears. But um, I, I think that for Jeff Walls and company, this is just more urgent this makes things more urgent to absolutely ball out in the transfer portal because you have to. Um, right now, this team is nowhere close to being finished. You're probably looking to add four to five more players. Um, you know, Jeff Walls went on the radio, said that they are going to be adding a post player soon. They're going to be having more visits over the next week. So, obviously, you would assume that he understands that urgency. He mentioned in the NCAA tournament that you have to essentially live in the portal. And, um, so, I mean, I'm not necessarily concerned. It, it really is funny to me that a lot of people are saying, fire Jeff Walls. He's not – he's falling off. He's not what he used to be. Come on now. At the end of the day, I mean, sometimes these decisions are out of, um, you know, a coaching staff's hands. I mean, you know, you can only do so much convincing. So, um, you know, whatever may whatever reason may have you, Haley Van Lith is not going to be with the team. Um, this just confirms that you're going to have to go out and get um, another player that maybe not necessarily of her caliber, but can sort of fill that scoring role, that um, clutch role, that leadership role. 
Um, I think Jada Curry is a great start to that. Um, you know, now you have to go out and, and replace Van Lith, which is going to be tough to do. But at the end of the day, um, you have the spots to do it. You're at a program like Louisville. I think if anything um, as well, I think that this is also a confirmation that I think that Louisville needs to get in the game NIL-wise with women's basketball. I know that the 502 circle has started to try to take that bull by the horns, getting back into the game and getting um, you know, close to the likes of South Carolina and LSU um, respectively in the NIL game. But the you know the reality of the situation is Louisville needs to do a better job in that realm of you know closing the gap NIL-wise for women's basketball. So um, we will see what happens there. I, I think that this is just what we're going to be seeing in the transfer portal. This is the new day and age of college sports where top standouts enter the portal for whatever reason, and uh, it's just the uh, world we live in now. So um, like I said, I think – Losing Haley Van Lith is huge. Do I think that she is a top five player in program history? Absolutely not. Is she top ten? There's a possibility. Um, it, it's actually wild to me that people believe she's a top five player in program history. That because in my opinion, she's not even in consideration. She could very well be top ten. That's no disrespect to her, but um, like I said, I mean, I think that Haley Van Lith uh was an extremely solid score she had to kind of carry the team this season i'm not dissing Haley at all she was able to carry the team um but you know i don't think that she was on the level of a Paige beckers of a caitlin clark of an Aaliyah boston um you know at any point over the past three seasons so um it's not impossible to replace her by committee but it is very very um tough to do but like i said uh, for whatever reason, I'm not going to sit here and disrespect Haley. Wish her the best of luck. Thank her for her three years here at Louisville, what she was able to do for the team, for the team in the NCAA tournament, so on and so forth. So um, that's going to conclude today's episode. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you back here very soon. <laughs>